Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 26. A little bit of review. We looked last uh, time at Judas and his planned uh, betrayal of Jesus. And then we looked at the Last Supper where this took place and the, and the Lord's Supper that Jesus instituted. Judas, you remember, he was one of the twelve and he spent so much time with Jesus. But he was, he was still so far away from Jesus. So close and yet so far and just... Just being there wasn't enough. He didn't belong to him. And he made these plans to turn Jesus over to the chief priest that he might be killed and and gotten out of the way for 30 pieces of silver. Ultimately, though, he had no heart for God. He just did not have a heart for God. And Jesus confronted all of them, telling them that one of them would betray him. And, uh, you know, they all kind of spoke up. It's not me, is it? It's not me, is it? And, and then ultimately he confronts Judas and maybe giving him that last, one last opportunity, uh, you know, and, and uh, we don't know at the Last Supper and, and they were celebrating this Passover feast where the blood would uh, cause the uh, destruction to pass over the people of Israel. Judas then leaves, makes his decision, and it says in one of the passages that he went out into the darkness. He went out into the dark. The the others that were around him, they didn't know it was him, and perhaps he was leading this secret life. We we don't really know what was going on in his mind and heart other than what we read. And after he left, then Jesus instituted what we call the Lord's Supper, where he says, this is my body, which is broken for you, given to you. This is my blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So really this gospel, and we, we all should really know this gospel. We, 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 last year we talked about this. Are you able to just tell someone the gospel in 60 seconds or less? That Jesus loves you, that he gave his life for you, his body and his blood, that he, that he died upon the cross for your sins, and that he, that he rose from the dead, defeating death. Very simple, and that, and that we need, each one of us needs to make a decision for him. It's not automatic. It's not where you were born. It's not what family you were born into. It's not where you go to church. It's not any of those things. It's a personal decision that we make to surrender to Jesus. That's the whole gospel right there. Each one of you who are believers should be able to tell someone that, that the hope is in Jesus. You need to, you need to give him an opportunity. Perhaps today you're in that place where you need to receive him. You need to give your heart and life to him. Today, however, we want to look at Peter and, and this whole thing about the denials of Peter. We, we looked at the betrayal of Judas and then the denials of Peter. They're kind of on the heels of one another. And, and I was thinking about this as very different, very different kind of thing and it's a very different outcome as well. One, Judas, he betrayed Jesus Christ. And this word betray means to surrender up or to yield up or to give over. He really sold him out to his death. But the, the word for deny, what Peter did, really means to disown or to deny any knowledge. Deny any involvement. I don't know about that when we, in fact, do. I want to ask you the question today, have you ever, have you ever let anybody down? Have you ever, you know, disowned someone, 
distanced yourself from someone when they needed you, perhaps. You know, I, I know I let people down all the time. Why do we do that? You know, sometimes it's out of fear. Sometimes it's our, it, we just can't meet their expectations. Sometimes it's our, our busyness. We're just too busy. We can't stop what we're doing. It's self, sometimes it's selfishness. This idea of denying. I, I think we can look at Peter's life now and learn some important lessons, though, as well. But before we do that, I want to I read to you two scriptures. Uh, two scriptures, one of them we know very well because it's quoted so often. And these are both about self-confidence. And we're going to see in Peter's life, self-confidence is very different than confidence in God. But Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. See, we're getting that one. We're getting the, the order of that right. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you think you've got it together, take heed lest you fall, it says. The next verse after that is the one talking about temptation that you know, that God will, will uh, help us to not fall in temptation. But let's look at verse 31 in uh, Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He says that one, earlier he said that one would betray, but here he's saying that they would all fall away. All of them would desert him. All of them would turn away. All of them would deny association with him. All of them. And, and as we look at the whole picture and the story and the account in Scripture, that is exactly what happened. They all turned away. They all denied him. It says in, in verse 56, look ahead right there. It says in the last part of verse 56, Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. All of them, they deserted him and fled. Why did they do that? Why did they desert him? Why did they flee? Fear? One commentator said fear would overwhelm them, and to save their own skins, they would forsake their master. To save themselves, they would. In John chapter 16, uh, Jesus said, A time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, and yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. These 12, again, we talked about Judas, but, but it was really all of them would, would have some kind of a problem. They would all flee. They wouldn't all betray him, but they would certainly all desert him as we just read there in verse 56. What about you and I? What about you and I and the opportunities that, we've, that we find? And I keep hearing this word opportunity over and over as we've been studying the last uh, few chapters. Uh, people talk about opportunities. We, we hear testimony about opportunities, some of those that we miss. And, and I, I just see what's going on here in the lives of these disciples and the, lives of, in the life of Peter 
Look at verse 32. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. You say, well, that's, that's an interesting verse, but really what he's saying there is, is and, and what's part of this whole message, I want to say this from the beginning, that it's a message of restoration. Because we all do blow it. We all do fall. We all do fall away. We all do deny. We all do, at times, disown. And don't take those opportunities. But, but he said to them, you know, don't worry. He says, after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And he says, I will, I'll meet you there. I will get back together. There will be a reunion. There will be a restoration. He knew exactly. He just told them, listen, you, you're all going to fall away. You're all going to desert me. But I'm going to catch back up with you. And we're going to get back together again. Maybe as you're hearing this message, you're hearing these words, and you're going, man, it's too far for me. It's, 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 there's no hope for me. The, that's so far from the truth. In the resurrection, there is hope. He says, we're going to get back together. He would not remain in the grave. And even though they would desert him, he would still meet with them. There is hope and there's restoration. It doesn't matter what we've done, how far we've run off. The faithfulness of God, even when we are unfaithful, is unswerving. After I have risen, he says, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. Verse 33, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Is that the macho, macho duck? How many of you remember that song? Be honest, let's see the hands. Macho, macho duck. See, I can dance and sing. You know, it's, it's just that's the way it is. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Watch out, Peter. Watch out. You know, Peter is he's he's pretty good at opening his mouth and sticking in one foot and then you know, five minutes later, take that one out and stick the other one in. And, and you and I, you know, same kind of thing. Watch out, watch out, watch out, Peter. Watch out each one of us. That's why I started with those verses. Be careful. Be careful, this, this attitude of self-confidence and pride that, that, you know, in some senses he was saying he was actually better than the others, right? Even if those guys over there, even if they all fall away, not me, you know. I'm just a, a little cut above the other guy. I'm just a little bit better than him. And you say, well, I don't ever think that. Oh, yes, you do. And we see someone, they, you know, they're having a hard time. We're going, I'm glad that, you know, I never would, that never would have happened to me. You know, I, you know I've, I've learned a few things. I, I know a few things. In Luke chapter 22, in, in, in this uh, context, uh, Jesus says these words to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. See, there's some spiritual warfare taking place in this too, you see. Satan is, you know, is kind of in there kind of dogging him. I've, you know, I've... And, and notice, too, there's something about this that Satan has to ask permission. He doesn't just do whatever he wants to do. Jesus and Satan are not on the same level. I, I've heard that before. It's, like, ridiculous. Jesus is the creator of the universe. He's God Almighty. 
Satan is a created being. There's no comparison between the two. He had to ask permission. But look what Jesus said. He said, I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. And when you have turned back, because he turned away and, and did blow it, he says, strengthen your brothers. And when we make these kind of mistakes, and, and even what, what uh, Gil was alluding to about those that have been so far out, the, the further out you come, the more thankful you are, but the more ministry you can help other people with as well. You see, strengthen your brothers. Share your story. So I'll talk about that in a minute. Look at verse 34. He says, I tell you the truth. Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This very night. It wouldn't take very long. It would not take very long. And as a matter of fact, he's saying, you know, those, those guys... You know, I'm a little better than them. In, in truth, he would actually be worse than them. He would get into a deeper hole than them. They all just deserted him and fled, but he got himself in a situation where it was even deeper and worse. We'll talk a minute about how he got there, though, which is kind of important. But verse 35, Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. He says, even if I have to deny you, Jesus just told him, this is what's going to happen. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not, uh, Judas, uh, Peter said, no, no, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. You remember me, it's me, it's me, Peter, you're talking to. You remember, you, you said I was the rock. You said I was like the guy, and I would be the pope. No, he didn't say that, No. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend any of you former Catholics. But he never did say that. I'll make that clear. But Peter now is contradicting the word of Jesus. And, 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 and then the other disciples doing the same thing. They're all in this. You know, and he's kind of like the ringleader and said, whoa, whoa, yeah, I want to get in on that. Yeah, okay, no, we're all strong. We're never going to fall. We're never going to blow it. What about you and me? What about you and me? I think there's something about being humble before the Lord every single day. God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, help me to walk and live for you today. Uh, you know, enough of this. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm so strong. A commentator said these words. He said they were sincere. They meant what they said. It's just that they didn't know their own hearts. They weren't just saying those things. They really believed it. They were sincere about it, but they didn't know how, how you know, ugliness is within us that we have to keep fighting and we have to call upon as we sang this morning the the blood of Jesus Christ is what makes us overcomers in this life not our own you know uh, thoughts not our own strength not our own wisdom let's jump ahead now to verse 69 if you will we'll kind of finish this picture. Verse 69, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. We're jumping over the arrest of Jesus. And then he's brought to the, the, the high priest's house. We're having trouble with the plants around this place. 
the wind. It's okay. It's the Holy Spirit. He's blowing right in here, and he's going to just shake us up. He says, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, and she says, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. He's sitting out in the, in the courtyard, and someone said his darkest hour has now arrived. Jesus is undergoing a trial, right? But Peter is also undergoing a trial, and you and I face trials as well. Trials of our faith, trials of our, our, uh, you know, our commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, on the positive side, we, we all know about Peter denying Jesus, but, but on the positive side, I, I want to point a couple things out to you that are very important. Let's keep in mind a few things. Number one is before this happened, right? And we'll get to that uh, in a future week. Before this happened, G, uh, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas comes, and, and you know, the, 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 uh, the chief priests and the soldiers and all that, they, they come. And, and uh, they have weapons, and they have torches, and they have all these things. And you remember what, what, what Peter did? It says he had a sword. He pulls out his sword, right? And he starts slashing away at people, right? And it says that he cuts off the servant of the high priest's ear. Actually, cuts his ear off. I don't know if he was just a bad aim or what, but <laughs> it was just the ear, and, and then one of the Gospels tells us that actually Jesus actually healed, it, healed the guy's ear. He, he, he healed it for him. And Jesus, you know, said, you know, hold, hold on, hold on here. He says, uh, you know, I need, to drink, I need to drink the cup that the Father has given me. I can't, I, I, this is what I'm called to do. But as far as Peter goes, he, he had courage. He had boldness. He was willing, as, as he said, we read. He says, I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to get in there and fight. And, and if I have to die, I will. And so he was right in there, and he, and he was right in there in the thick of things. There's some courage for you. Are you and I, do you and I have that kind of courage where we'll, we're willing to get in there and, and swing the sword, and maybe, maybe our aim isn't so good, but we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we need to be able to, to know what God's Word says. And when we get into, those, into the thick of those things, we're willing to to fight the good fight. The second thing about Peter is that, is that here in the, the courtyard of the, of the high priest, he's there, right? He's there. Where are all the other disciples? John might have been there. It's hard to know for sure. There's one that, that kind of got him in. You can read that about that. But, but Peter was there. All the other ones, they were all out. They were all at their homes, I don't know what they were doing, but, but he was there, and that took a measure of courage, too. That took a measure of, of willingness to get out there and do something. His love for Jesus. And then one more thing I want to mention is this, is that someone pointed out, and I'll quote, uh, he said, We possess the story of Peter's denial because Peter himself was the man who told it to others. And every time he told the story, Peter could say, that is the way that this Jesus can forgive. He forgave me when I failed him in his bitterest hour of need. That he was willing to tell the story. He was there. How else would they all know? He was there. He knew what happened. And, and, and he was willing to humble himself and say, listen, I really blew it, but 
Jesus forgave me and He restored me and He did all these incredible things in my life. And He's using me now, even now. Your testimony, your story is very, very powerful. Don't ever underestimate, no matter what kind of story it is that God has brought you through, you have a story, you have a testimony, and it's powerful. Don't ever underestimate it. So, you know, we look again, the denials of Peter, but there's a lot of positive things that are happening in life. is like that. It's a mix of all good and bad, isn't it? It's not always bad. It's not all bad. It's not all good. It's like a mix of a lot of different things in our lives. That's just the way it is for you and for me. We do something, we blow it, we, and, we, and then it's all black, you know, but let's keep in mind that there's some good stuff going on too. And just the same on the other side, when we, we're involved in something that's really good and cool, let's keep in mind that there's still sin lurking at the door, and the enemy is still trying to you know, sift us like weed and stuff is still uh, possible to happen. So, so keeping all of that in mind, you know, he's there. And now we have these three opportunities to speak up for Peter. Three opportunities to speak up. The first one we just read, a servant girl came to him. He said, she says, you also were there with Jesus of Galilee in verse 70. But he denied it before them all in front of the whole crowd. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. The other gospels tell us, he says, woman, I don't know him. Another gospel says, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of those disciples. Opportunity number one, does not go so well. Where's the sword now? Where's the bravado now? You know, we, we, we think about these things ahead of time, but then you get in the middle of it and you go like, Ugh. and Peter's now in the middle of it in this hour of testing. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know Jesus. I don't belong to him. You and I. Do we ever deny him? Do we ever stop in that opportunity? Deny that we know him? Maybe we don't even say the words, but we deny we know him just by not saying any words. One man said this, if Peter could do that, if he could deny Jesus, so can we. And what happened to Peter can happen to the strongest of us, and it may even be the strongest who are in the greatest danger. Be careful, but also, on the other hand, be bold. Number two opportunity, though after the first denial, you kind of think about after the first denial, he did that in front of them all, so now he, would, he gets faced with another opportunity. He would kind of have to backpedal, right? If he's going to say the truth this time, right? And that happens too, like when we say one lie, ah. Uh, then you got to say another lie to protect that lie, and it kind of goes, you know, snowballs one on top of another. Look at number two there in verse 71. He says, Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again with an oath. I swear, in other words, I don't know the man. That's vigorous, one man said. That's vigorous denial. Not just, no, I'm not sure. Jesus? Hmm, let me think. I might have met him. No, he was, I don't know the man, he says. 
A little while later in verse 73, it says, Those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. For your accent gives you away. And then he began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man. He says it again. Trying to cover it up even by his language. One of the versions they say, you know, my, you know that his speech betrayed him. He says, you know, John Corson says, well, I'll, you know, he, he says in this situation, well, I'll show you some speech if you want to see some speech. I was a fisherman after all. I know how to spice things up with language. You know, we're in the situation with the different groups of people, and, we, and no, no, and then we start to talk like them and act like them so that we can cover up why, I don't know, to hide who we truly are. If we truly are His, people will see it even when we're trying to hide it. They said, listen, you are one of them. You are one of them. And it says there in the last part of verse 74, he said, immediately a, a rooster crowed. At that very moment, a rooster crowed immediately. And Luke tells us that at also at that very moment, just after the rooster crowed, that it says that the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. So he, he did these three denials. The rooster crows just as Jesus said it would, and, and Jesus at that very moment looks at him. I wonder what that kind of look was. Sadness, maybe? Compassion? Love, of course? Because he sees, and he hears, and he knows, and he, he knows us. He knows our situations. He knows the opportunities. He knows the lives that we lead and the circumstances that we're in and, and the pressure that we have. But verse 75 says, Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. He went outside and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine how he must have felt? There's a legend that says, excuse me, that says that, that uh, Peter never heard a rooster crow again without weeping after this. I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it would kind of make sense that something like that could happen. He felt like he just let Jesus down. He just, he just let him down. But thank God, thank God that it doesn't end here. As Jesus said earlier, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. After the tears, there's restoration. I love the verses in the Psalms. And, and you know, I, I think we need to, to not be afraid of tears and about weeping because, because what God can do through that, and there's some kind of a, a sense of catharsis where, you know, the, the, these things that come out of us too. But in Psalm 126, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And Psalm 30 says that, that sing to the Lord, you saints of His, praise His holy name, for His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. There's a place to weep. Solomon, there's a, there's a place for tears. 
There's a place for joy. I think it was right for him to weep. It, it was right for him. He, there was this, he, he just knew in his heart that, that he had let down Jesus. But the restoration at the tomb in, in the Gospel of Mark, there was the young man who was most likely an angel there in the tomb, and, and he says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus. The Nazarene who was crucified, he is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. He says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Make sure you tell Peter too. He's going ahead of you. And there into Galilee, there you will see him just as he told you. Make sure you remind Peter that it's okay. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says that he appeared to Peter after he had risen from the dead. And then the most uh, powerful one in John chapter 21 where, where Jesus meets with Peter and three times he asks him, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And, and, and you know the whole story there and, and, and Jesus tells Peter, feed my lambs. He says, take care of my sheep. He says, feed my sheep. You have a place it doesn't matter, Peter. I, I, I forgive you. My, I, I restore you to serve me. But at the end of that passage, Jesus said to Peter, he says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. There was a radical turn, turnaround in the life of Peter, and, and he would certainly be martyred and, and give his life for Jesus Christ. So let me go over just a few points as we close. Number one is that God restores, and that is, that is so powerful. God restores, he forgives, he heals. One man said these words, Jesus knew all along what Peter would do, and I'll add, he knows what you and I will do. And all along, Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself for men and women who, even with the best intentions, would fall short. All along, Jesus knew, and he knows now. And he knows when you and I disown him by our words and actions, he observes sadly. And when, like Peter, we at last sense his presence again, it's all right to weep. Yet even as we do, we have the cross to remind us that his love for us never faltered or failed. He forgives, he heals, he restores you and me. Secondly, to be careful to put no confidence in our own strength. We're not as strong as we think we are. But put confidence in him. Our confidence is in Him. And thirdly, opportunities will come, and we have choices when they come. Number one is to speak up and speak the truth. Number two, maybe deny Him. Or maybe number three, to not say anything at all. And maybe number three is the same as number two. Not saying anything is the same as denying Him. I believe that God wants us to be bold as lions. 
and to speak up when those opportunities come. And I know what it's like to face an opportunity and not do that. Just this last trip, I was on an airplane with a, with a, a guy there, and, and uh, through a whole, you know, we were changing seats so we could get like the best seats and everything, and, and uh, he, was, he was almost begging me, listen, come up here and sit here so that no one else will be able to sit in this middle seat because they, they don't sit next to me. And he was kind of big and, and scary looking a little bit. So I sat in that row with him, and, 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 but he, he, just, we, he just opened up his heart to me, and, and we were talking, and I, I did say some things about Jesus to him. But I, I felt a sense of afterward of regret that, that there were two or three opportunities at least that I just did not say what I, I should have said. Two or three opportunities. I pray for him. On another one of those flights, I, we, I, I got on this guy, got next to me, and he was kind of scary looking too. He was like six foot five or something. And uh, somehow, I think I had my Bible open. I was writing some notes, and he started asking me questions. And it turned out he goes to the Rock Church in San Diego. And, and we just talked. There was another gal there in the seat. We were just talking about the Lord and, and, and the whole way on that flight. Those opportunities are there for you and for me. Do we speak up? Do we deny him or are we remain silent? And lastly, I want to say today, right here, right now, can you confess him here? Can you confess Jesus Christ here in this place, in this very safe place? At least I hope you feel it's safe. I feel pretty safe here at the moment. Can you confess that you know him? that you belong to him, that you are one of his, right? That's what happened with Peter. I don't know him. I don't belong. I'm not one of his, is what he said. Can you confess that here today? Because if you can't do it here, how are you going to do it out there? If you and I can't confess to one another, I know Jesus Christ and I belong to him. If you can't confess it to one another, you're never going to do it out there. Never going to happen. I know him, and I, be I belong to him. If you don't know him, if you don't belong to him, today, as we uh, give this opportunity, as we do each and every Sunday, which we've made it a, a, you know, a, a, a part of who we are and a, and a commitment to give that opportunity each and every Sunday because you do not know who will be here. I do not know where you stand, each one of you, with Jesus Christ, that you would have an opportunity right here today to give your heart and life to Him and to come to Him today. Think about that for a minute. Can you confess him? Can you sing? Can you sing out? That's confessing him, right? Can you join in prayer when we pray? Can you tell someone here today? I know Jesus. I belong to him. Can you tell someone sitting near you right now? I know Jesus. I belong to him. Go ahead. Can you tell someone? It's not that hard. 
Just take a second. Go ahead. That wasn't that hard now, was it? If you can't do it here, you're not going to do it out there on the lawn, on the festival. I know Jesus. That's why we're here. And I belong to him. And, and, he, and he wants to know you too. And he wants to love you as well. Let's pray together, shall we?